So we're recording this episode the week after the Super Bowl, and I have a lot to get into about that and Tom Brady as they welcome me to another episode of Behind the Mic. Jim Dumas is going to be my guest today. Jim is a fellow Framingham State University alum that I had on a feature segment I'm doing for the university in my, my new role called Framley Features. You can find that on the Framingham State alumni YouTube page. And Jim and I instantly hit it off. Great connection. And I said, well, again, like last week, I want to use that interview here on the podcast. Next episode, I'm going to have Tyler Murray, a fellow broadcaster. So we'll get back to some broadcasting and you can uh, digest that. Please, and thanks to so many who have left comments and ratings on the Behind the Mic podcasts on iTunes. You can find me on Spotify, Google, I think Stitcher's one as well. There's tons. But of course, Anchor FM is the host, and you heard at the beginning here. Please, if you want to start a podcast, do it. Do it through Anchor. It's free, which is huge. Some of those sites, they'll charge you, but Anchor FM does not charge you. Twitter is at the radio mic. You can find me everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, you name it, even TikTok. I'm starting to do some TikTok videos. Either search behind the mic or Mike Antonellis. One easy thing, if you go to my Twitter, I have Linktree, which I suggest all of you signing up for. Linktree is a link, and when you click it, it brings up all your social media links. It's easy, so you just have one link in the body I suggest you do it. All right. I want to digest and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl before I get in my interview with Jim. And I, I've, I've talked about this before. I, I feel like the sports media world has gone bonkers. It feels like, to me, it's hard to talk sports anymore. It's becoming like politics. We want to top everybody with, with takes. And for you young people, I advise you to not do that. Having a different take or trying to outtake someone else because you think you're witty or clever is old, and it's just it's not the right way to do things. And what I pride myself on being a baseball broadcaster is I always wanted to have a style where I cared about the game more than the broadcasts. And what does that mean? I wanted to deliver what's happening in the game more more than me doing shtick. I do shtick, no doubt, but I wanted to be able to say. This pitcher threw five innings because X, Y, and Z. Not because of some, uh, well, he threw five innings and he was on. Well, why? I don't know. I didn't, I was caught up watching the game. No, got caught up broadcasting the game. No, you, you should be able to watch the game and break it down. We don't do that. We are, we are, with this last Super Bowl and with, with all the takes about Tom Brady and everything, it's driving me nuts. Here, here's the one thing, first of all. You don't luck your way to 10 Super Bowls. It doesn't have to be about Brady or Belichick. It can be both. We got all this nonsense about those two is ridiculous. I think they are actually a lot alike. And we got to let go of that stuff. Man, we just keep talking about it. And I was amazed at how much that was still talked about. And I'm talking about it. You know, the Chiefs and the Bucks are in the Super Bowl, and there's still those Patriots fans mainly those sports talk radio hosts who hate Belichick and the Patriots, and they still talk about it. Like, God, let it go, brother. We can't let it go. And it's okay to say, and I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense went on a historic run, the fact that they stopped those three quarterbacks, if you just watch the game. 
What did your eyes tell you? That defense was unreal. Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes didn't have a chance. And Mahomes was the worst out of all of them. Not that he's a bad quarterback. It happens every year. I don't care how good you are on offense. And the Bucs proved it. And it's okay to say that Tom Brady was surrounded by a good cast, but he's a big reason for that. He's a reason that Fournette, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski wanted to play there and some other defensive guys. And I bet Tom Brady had a lot to do with the defense just feeling confident. He has got so many other X factors that we don't quantify. We want all these answers to these questions. Well, it wasn't really Brady. It was the defense. It can be, It's everything. Part of Brady's greatness is Brady himself, the person, the leadership. Those skills mean way more in professional sports. And for those of you that don't think that, you just haven't been around it, or maybe you're just looking for the wrong answers. I don't care how gifted, uh, what, what you call it, um, Drew Henson was. Drew Henson was supposed to be better than Tom Brady. None of that matters when you get into battle. And the fact that when you watch Tom Brady and even Gronk, that was like another game to them. They weren't nervous. They knew they were going to win. They really did. And that festers, just like office environments. You have someone like that, it festers. We don't need to find all the answers or say that this is the reason or that's the reason. And, and for those of you that think that Tom Brady lucked and it's a refs and all that, I mean, what? Especially you grown men, what's wrong with you? If you're above 30 and, you're, and you hate Tom Brady, you need to reevaluate your life. Seriously. Like, hating professional athletes and having rage for that is weird. And also, I see a lot of Red Sox fans now are, are not going to be fans anymore because they don't like what's going on. Give me a break. Come on. That's immature. You know it is. This is not. This interview with Jim is really good. Enjoy it. It's behind the mic. Another episode for your listening ears. I like how you've positioned everything in the background with your business, but you've got the Framingham State banner there. That's uh, the pennant. Hangs proud. That's right. (laughs) Every Zoom call, it's in the background. Nice. I hope everyone knows what a pennant is, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a throwback, but I still love having it around. Yeah, tell us how inspirational uh, Framingham State was to your career. Oh, uh, good question. Uh, so, what it was for me was more a foundation. Um, before that, I actually I went to Keefe Tech and and got uh, you know the groundwork laid for for graphic design. But what Framingham State did for me was kind of. Um, you know, kind of water that seed that had been planted and, and really allow it to grow between working with Professor Dowling, uh, Professor Beck, who I think is retired, uh, Jim Eng, uh, Professor Anderson, like all of them really, um, really helped water that seed and really helped it grow. And I, 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 came to, I came out of there with so much more of a, I guess, organic knowledge of what art and design really was because before then it was just really cool stuff I just like to make really cool stuff and it looked cool but at Framingham State what I learned is like there's a rhyme and a reason for all these things and to really make something truly beautiful and natural and organic you need to have these reasons behind it you need to have this flow that really tells a story and it can still be something that looks cool but it has to be something that really pulls the viewer in, 
um, inspires you to create it and just uh, all around draws eyes for all the right reasons. And when you're younger, you just, all you're caring about is just making that design. So it seems oh, like, yeah, absolutely. yeah, it's just staying in the lines and making something cool and showing it to your friends. And, and I mean, I, I, I joke that I, I half joke that I got into design because when I was a kid and, you know, you had to do book reports, um, I would spend more time drawing the cover of the book report than I would <laughs> actually working on the book report. So I'd get like a D. <laughs> if I was yeah. lucky on the book report, but it make this killer cover. Uh, and, and that always kind of, I always kind of went in that direction. Yeah. You know, what I love about this time is that I, I'm a creative person. You are you obviously being in, in broadcasting and what you do is now the time we're living in, you can really make a living in that where I think back in the day, maybe people weren't sure about being a, a news anchor or a graphic designer, I kind of feel like Keith Tech is way ahead of its time because there are people that are creative in that way. Mm -hmm. And you weren't really told to be creative back. It was being a lawyer, being in business, but oh yeah. You know, look at how the world has exploded now with with people like yourself. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, think of, you know, I mean, we're we're both roughly the same age and think of growing up in, you know, in our time and it was all about being a doctor, being a lawyer, yeah. uh, you know, being a banker, getting into those industries. And it, you're, you're absolutely right. It wasn't about those intangible um, fields or even those creative tangible fields. Um, they, they you either didn't know they were available to you or um, you, you weren't driven in that direction. Yes. And I do, and to your point, I do love that we're in, an, we're in a time where more people can explore their creativity, can explore these outlets. And I mean, obviously the internet has a ton to do with that. I mean, you, you pretty much, you know, hit the nail on the head that guys like you and us, before the advent of the internet, it was a lot harder for, for guys like us to get this creativity out. You know, yeah. you're having a YouTube channel. I mean, that you couldn't do that years ago. You, I mean, you had to, you know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you start at the bottom and slowly work your way up. Maybe you start as like an intern working in broadcasting and then work your way up to the, to the big chair yep. and the same thing in design. You, you know, you're working in a basement somewhere, um, you know, maybe in a mail room and then you work your way up or you're doing sketches, but it's, it's certainly um, made things easier for, for creative types to be able to get their voices heard because of, you know, different outlets. And I'll just speak from, from a design standpoint, you know, there's different portfolio sites that you can go to. There's uh, Behance and Dribbble. Um, there, there, I mean, that's just two of, of a thousand out there. Um, plus uh, with, you know, social media being what it is, yeah. you put a piece of artwork out there and all of a sudden it's picked up by, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people. Um, and that's, Thankfully, that's how I get a lot of my business is through referrals and people seeing work on the Fat Bass Design um, Instagram page or, or on the website and, and they reach out to us. But without this platform, I wouldn't have that. I'd be knocking on doors and making phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. Totally different world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's positive. I mean, for I think anything can be negative. That's easy to do with, with yep. social media and Internet, but it has created so much business. And, yeah. and during the time we're living in right now, people probably watching this years later, but during a pandemic, you can work like you are from home. 
you can start your own business. Uh, the girl I had on last week, Maria, who is a 17 graduate, her best friend wanted to write a book. She needed an illustrator and she illustrated a children's book, which they put on Amazon. Wow. Now, yeah, I mean, you couldn't do, like you said, uh, if you wanted to be in TV, you'd have to work at a TV station. If you wanted to write, you had to write for a newspaper um, to illustrate a children's book. You wouldn't be able to just put it and have it for commercial sale. No. Yeah. No. It's, it's, uh, it's just, it's, it's wild how, how times have changed. And you bring up the point of the working from home thing. I mean, I think if there's a silver, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. Yeah. If there's a silver lining to this pandemic, it's that we've learned that we don't need to go to an office sure. five days a week. You know, we can do this from home. Now, there is a downside to that. You're a little bit more available after hours. People now know that, oh, you can pick up the phone at seven o'clock at night just as easily as you can jump online at 745 in the morning. But I think the trade-off is worth it both for, you know, uh, as, as, you know, as, as people want to be closer to their families, you now have the option to be with your family or to kind of get that social outlet, which as humans, we all need go into the office and be with your coworkers and, and, and your friends. But um, from an environmental standpoint, you know, there's less people on the road, um, cost savings for businesses. So they don't have to um, rent out these office spaces uh, cost savings for people so they don't have to pay uh, for transportation to go in. There's just, there's yeah. so many different ways you can go. Um, but I think overall, and you touched on this, is that, um, you know, there, there's so much good on the internet that it's unfortunate that the headlines are made up of everything that's negative, but there's so much good you can take out of this. Yes. If you look at the right outlets and, and you kind of focus yourself in the, in those areas. I mean, I've, I'm a very amateur Adobe, uh, sweet user. I taught myself InDesign basically from another person that helped me, but YouTube videos, uh, Photoshop, same mm -hmm. thing. And those are such little things that you take for granted because how else would you figure out how to maybe dim a picture? It, you'd yeah. have to call somebody, but it's nice not having to do that, right? <laughs> oh God, it's, it's, it's so nice. YouTube and, and all these online tutorials have been such a godsend. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, I've been doing this for God, I guess 20 years now, isn't it? I graduated in yes. yeah, almost 20 years now. So, and there are still times when, you know, I think to myself, there's got to be an easier way to do, to get from A to Z for whatever this project is. And I'll look on YouTube or I'll look on, um, you know, Adobe has a bunch of tutorials in their suites. Um, and I'm only looking, I have my big monitor right here. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. But, um, they have a bunch of tutorials in their suites that, uh, that kind of you know, lead you down these paths of, of figuring out these different things. I, I figured out something just last month where it, it would, this, this particular um, feature would, would normally take me about, I don't know, hour, hour and a half to accomplish. And then I was watching a, um, a, a, a something on Adobe. Oh no, it was actually Skillshare. I was watching something on Skillshare and the designer was going through, going through their project and was, in the same situation that I was in and they clicked a button and it was set. Wow. And yeah. the button was there the whole time. It's in a drop down menu. And so I stopped the video. I went over to the, to the project and I, cl I clicked on what I want. I clicked on the button and boom, it was done. Yeah. So that's an hour and a half saved of my time. An hour and a half saved of my client now doesn't have to pay me. So they're saving money. Yeah. It's, it's such a win-win and 
even though I've been doing this for so long, there's still so much out there that I could be learning and so much more out there for me to learn. Yeah. You know, I've only scratched the surface of what I could learn as a designer and it's exciting and it's, it's exciting to, to, to continue to learn and continue to grow. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's get into what you do. Fat Bassett Design um, started by you, Jim. 20 yeah. years of experience. We get some cool things in the background. And yeah. first, the, the, the name is 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 very nice. Mm, mm. Coffee. We sure. need to get you your coffee. Yep. That's amazing. no, no. Sorry about that. No, no. <laughs> no. Um, yes, the name Fat Bassett Design. So uh, we we had this um, this Bassett Hound named Josie, and yeah. she was just a love of our lives. Um, Funny enough, when we first uh, got a dog, my wife, Nicole, and I, uh, I didn't, I at first didn't want a dog. I was hesitant. And then I said, okay, if we're going to get a dog, I want a big athletic dog that I can go hiking and running with. We didn't get that at all. Um, I was 0 for 2 in that fight. So we ended up getting a basset hound. And from day one, I was wrapped around her little paw. And she followed me everywhere. She was just just the, the light of my day. Um, and sadly she passed away back in 2016, but at the time I was going through some like career transitions. And I think a lot of people do this at a certain point where I had this amazing job at, at Sam Adams designing packaging and point of sale and, and tap handle stuff that was seen all around the country. It was really cool. Nice. Um, but I just needed a change. I needed, you know, I, I, I once, uh, read that, um, I'm going to butcher the, butcher the quote, but essentially sometimes even the best of circumstances changes necessary. Yeah. Now this was one of those instances. So, so I, I left Sam Adams. I, I actually taught for a little bit at Keefe tech. Um, and then I started doing freelance work and the freelance work started catching up and taking me like into like 11 o'clock at night after I was done with school. So at a certain point I had to choose and the name Fat Bassett started as kind of a joke. You know, my wife and I would joke, oh, when we retire, we'll start Fat Bassett Coffee Shop. <clears throat> and then it kind of, when when I started freelancing, it started to grow and I started getting more clients and it's like, well, I need to start a business. That name just felt so natural. Yeah. Um, I've got this big fat Bassett hound by my side. We joke about the name. It's a little funny, a little you know, a, a little humbling, a little self-deprecating. It's, it's, I, I just, it just made me laugh. It made me smile. And that's really what I want to do through my work is make the clients excited and, and smile and, and kind of uh, appreciate not only the process, but the end result that then helps their business grow. Yeah. So the name came from my big fat bass and Alan Josie. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, like I said, she passed away, but she's, she kind of lives on through, through this, this company. Yeah. That's a, that's a very inspirational story too. You know, when you're, when you're talking to clients and you're telling them about the name. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's memorable it's, too. That's, yeah. that's the cool part. It's very memorable. Now, did you ever make a logo of her? Is she anywhere? Yes. Yeah. Actually here, I'll, there's a logo on the website and I've got stickers here. So this, oh, actually, I can show you this too, the coffee mug. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's our, that's yeah. our logo, the, yep. the big fat basset hound. I, I don't have it on any apparel or anything, but yeah. I'll send you a bunch of stickers. Yeah, nice. Um, but that's essentially, we, we got stickers, we've got it on the website, on um, all of our social media channels. Um, but that's it, that, and that's a literal drawing of her. She was sitting out in our driveway one day, just looking at nothing. Yeah. I just happened to take a picture of her and it's actually hanging up on my wall. And 
it was it was way before I even thought of starting Fat Bassett. But I, I, I looked at that picture over and over again. I was like, that's just really cool. It's yeah. just, it's, I, it's, it makes up all the pillars of what make a good logo and that it's memorable. It's timeless. It's, it's, it's appropriate. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, it's versatile. Um, so I was like, well, why not do that? You know, yeah. it's there. It, it's, it, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I, the cool thing about that is I see it all over the place now and, you know, I'll send people stickers if they ask them, if they ask for them. And I see them on cars. I see them on like street signs. That's awesome. And it's, I see them in breweries. And it's cool to think like, I didn't put them there. Somebody else thought of me and put it there. It's very humbling. It's yeah. Cool. We'll, we'll take them and we will definitely put them all yeah, over. I'll, the I'll send you a bunch yeah. of them. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, my girlfriend has pit bulls and I never, you know, I've always been a, like the golden retriever type of dog or. And it sounds like you're similar, but I am so smitten by these pit bulls. They're two girls and I, they are the sweetest dogs in the world. Oh. Like, yeah, it's like they teach us lessons, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I can't, I've lost count of the number of lessons I've learned from having dogs and the yeah. most of which is patience. Yeah. Um, and I think right after that is just being grateful. You know, these, these yeah. dogs, you walk in the door after being outside from getting the mail <laughs> and you walk in and it's like, you've been gone for a year and a half. Yeah. And, and, and I love that. It makes you really kind of appreciate and, and just be grateful. And it, it's easy to, it, it's easy to lose sight of that, but it's, but it's also good to get that little reminder. And yeah. you and I are like one and the same in that, you know, maybe we weren't, we, we weren't accepting of the idea of these dogs at first, Yeah, but we can, we certainly love them and appreciate them now and can't probably can't see our lives without them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the way the dogs look at me, it's 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 like painful sometimes, you know. Oh god, it kills me when I I can't look back when I'm leaving. Yeah, that's, that's what I've learned. If I look back when I'm leaving, that they're coming with me. Yeah, so I can't take that look. <laughs> so I have a, a loaded question for you because yep. I I love creative people. I I think I think in like sports people like uh, musicians, musicians mm -hmm. like athletes. We, I think it's just because we're all we have creative things. So. What take what goes through your mind of the process when you get? I'm looking back at these cans. So someone approaches you. Do they give you a blueprint of what they want, or is it sometimes, hey, we need a logo? And how in the world do you start that process? No, that's that's a fair question. Um, it's it's very. You have to kind of be a psychologist. Okay. Um, so what I do is I have a list of questions that I get to ask. And because you're right, it it seems like it's just, oh, you know, Mike, you need a logo? All right, yeah, I'll work something up. But it, it really gets more involved and more time consuming than just that. If, sure. if you were going to ask me for a logo today, it would take me about three weeks to get back to you. Um, and the reason is, is again, it's, it's playing psychologist. I ask you, I've got a, a three-page questionnaire that I ask every prospective client, whether they're looking to have packaging designed or if they're looking to have a logo designed. Um, and it just goes very in depth all the way down to what do you want people to think when they see this? Um, what are your objectives? And the objective could be, um, I want this to look more premium or I want, the, I want this to feel luxurious or I want this to feel more handcrafted. So all of those 
all of those adjectives, all of those words, all of those phrases, they all mean something to me in one way, shape or form. Um, if somebody, for instance, says this needs to be soft and approachable, then I know if it's for a logo, it shouldn't have any sharp edges. Okay. Sharp edges are very aggressive. Hmm. So little lessons like that that you learn along the way and, and going on the same line, if somebody says, I want something that's really fast and aggressive, well, I'm probably not going to use baby blue and a light purple. You know, you're gotcha. probably going to yeah. use like some darker, more, more aggressive tones like blues, blacks, reds. Uh, so, so it's, it's experience, it's playing psychologist, um, and then taking all of that information and really just start sketching. And you're using all that information, you're sketching these different ideas, and a lot of them are just crap. And it, for any younger designers out there watching this or even older, we, we all know that a lot of the stuff that, that we put down on paper at first is crap. Because what you're doing is you're really flushing out every idea you have. Every gotcha. idea. Yeah. Yeah. And an exercise I like to do um, is uh, anytime like I give a, like I'll go to Framingham State once in a while this is before the pandemic and I'll speak to Professor Dowling's class exercise I like to do to get out ideas is you hold up a, a yellow triangle, a green square and a red circle. And each one you hold up, you say, okay, here's a yellow triangle. You got 30 seconds to write down everything you think of when you see this. Huh. And you realize people will just write down, slow down, stoplight, um, pyramid, things like it takes them 30 seconds. And then you kind of tell them like, okay, you've gotten all the bad ideas out of your head. Now really dig deeper, let your mind go. And if you're looking at a yellow triangle, you might just start thinking after you get out all those bad ideas, after you went from, you know, slow down, stoplight, pyramid, then you go Egypt, the Nile, water, yeah. sand, sky, cloud, sun, moon, stars, Pluto, you know, Mickey Mouse. And you just really start diving deeper. And that's what sketching is. It gets out all that crap, all those ideas lets you focus on those objectives. So you go from there, then you pick out a few that you feel like have potential. You make some, you sketch out some rough drafts. Then you take that and you put it on the computer screen and you start building it on the computer. And, you know, as you're building these, you're looking at that questionnaire and you're looking at those objectives and you say, okay, is this design following these objectives, following this roadmap that, you know, Mike told me that he wanted, you know, he wanted it to look more premium, more luxurious. Do these concepts that I have on screen follow that? And if so, I keep going. If they don't, I scrap it and kind of start over. Um, so you, you continue to build through there. And then um, I, I schedule a meeting with you and we go over the concepts. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the show Mad Men? Yeah. At that point, it's kind of like Mad Men. You, know, you walk into a room or, I mean, in this case here, um, and I pitch you the ideas. Um, we're more than likely not smoking and drinking whiskey, but it's, <laughs> it's still, you're still going through the creative process and, and, you know, I you pitch you these different ideas and, you know, you say, you know, Jim, I like this one, but I don't like that one. I like parts of this one, parts of that one. I love this one. And it's basically just one big collaboration and yeah. it could be, you love one of the ideas and we move forward right away, or it could be, you like one of the ideas, but you see potential for changes. And, and then we start collaborating. And that's the thing you really got to stress in the design field is it's a, it's a collaboration, you know, and similar to sports, there's a coach and a player, there's a collaboration between the two. 
of how, you know, how one feels like when they're hitting versus what they're doing with their mechanics. There is so much more involved with that, that where you need that team to be able to bounce ideas back and forth. Yeah. Cause the, the person, the company, they want something that's going to sell. Yes. Where yes. maybe sometimes their vision is obviously different than yours where you can yeah. present a side where, Hey, this logo can do this. Yeah, absolutely. You, yeah. you have to be open. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. have to be open. And I'm, you know, one of the points you bring up is, you know, the company having an idea. What I, what I like to do is present three options. It's and and whether it's packaging or logo design, there's always at least three options. And there's the first option is always what they asked for. And of this is, you know, you know, Mike, you said you wanted, you know, uh, Antonellis Broadcasting with a big microphone above it. All right, here's here's option one. Yeah. The second option would be us kind of taking that a little further and saying, here's something we thought might be a little cooler, might might it still follows these objectives, but it might work a little bit more in your favor based on everything you told us. And then option three is out of left field. And pardon the pardon the, the baseball. Yeah. It is out of left field. It's something that you didn't expect. It's something that's just wild and crazy. And it's there as an option, but it's also there to make you think and to make you go, wow, I never thought of something like that. Let me really rethink what I'm doing with, with this business and these ideas and see if you know, we want to go down a different path. Yeah. So it's, it's, and that's really kind of the end all be all is to get you, get you to think differently about graphic design, get you to think differently about how graphic design and design in general and branding can really work in your favor as opposed to just a tool to get your named business out there. Yeah. So is mainly the beer cans, is that, is that a bulk of your business? Yeah, I'd say that's the lion's share of my business is, um, is designing uh, beer labels, beer packaging. Um, I design basically anything, everything within the, within the beer space from um, beer and bottle labels to 12 packs and six packs uh, to cases to those big displays you see in, in liquor stores, um, uh, t-shirts, hats, you know, everything within the beer space I, I do or have done in the past. Um, it's, it's a blast. I love it. Um, it's, it started with working at Sam Adams and then that foundation kind of carried over into what I'm doing now. And it's, you know, beer people are good people. Yeah. And it's rare to find, you know, a jerk in the beer industry. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's just really nice. And that's, that's what I gravitate towards are, are, are good people and people that are out there trying to do the right thing. Um, they're, they're just trying to bring people together and, and just have a beer together. Yeah. Um, obviously right now it's a little tougher, but, but still the, the, the tools and the opportunities are there. And, and that's what I love doing. I love working with people who are passionate about what they do. And that's what a lot of beer people are. And lastly, I'll ask you for younger people that this is what I tell younger people that get into any kind of creative field. It's, it's like working out. You need to develop that muscle, just oh, yeah. whatever it is. I have sometimes people go, this is an opportunity, but no one's going to hear me, but I get to do games. I, I just, you just got to do it. Right. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Oh, you can, I could just let you go. That's, yeah. that's it. Just, just start. Just all you have the, the hardest thing to do is to start. Yeah. No matter what it is, the hardest thing to do is, is to, is to actually get started. And, and you're right. You know, you, you know, 
you could start a YouTube um, or a podcast. We'll just say a podcast is an easy one. You can start yeah. a podcast and no one could be listening, yep. but you still do it. You go out there and you do it every day because sooner or later, a person's going to listen. Then two, then five, then 20, and it's going to grow and it's going to grow, but it's not, you can't let it grow until you, you actually start. And something that I always keep in mind, I actually have it as a reminder on my to-do list. So I see it every day is to remember the, the Chinese bamboo tree. And anyone watching this, I, I apologize if I get this wrong, but from what I heard, a, cha- a Chinese bamboo tree, you plant the seed and nothing happens for five years, but you continue to water it. You continue to water it. You can t- every day you continue to water it. And after five years, I think over the course of like a couple of weeks, it sprouts and becomes this huge tree. Nice. But it doesn't happen unless you water it for those first five years. Yep. And that's what starting a business or starting anything that you're really passionate about. You know, if you're an accountant right now and you secretly want to be a baker, well, you got to start baking at some point. You, you have to, you have to, after work, you get home and start baking. And, and if you don't, it's never going to happen. And all you'll say is, oh, I wish I could have been. Just start, find yep. some time, put, you know, turn off Netflix for an hour and a half. And, and, and start doing this. And if it's something you love, it'll be, it'll come easy to you and you'll get excited. If not, you move on to something else, but you have to just start. That's it. Perfect, Jim. That was awesome. Well, Jim was fantastic and nice to form a bond with him. And I, I think that uh, him and I are going to be friends for life, alums, work together and what he does, designing cans and make sure to watch that interview on YouTube as well. So another episode in the books. Tyler Murray's next week on the Behind the Mic podcast, Peace and Love. Out, out.